Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. Judd, it has been a little while since we've gotten to talk some stick and puck. It has been, but you know what? I always look forward to the opportunity to talk a little hockey. I feel the same way. Let's take a deep breath and a day off from Vikings Talk and the Purple Podcast. If you are out there and you're a hockey fan and you haven't listened to the Purple Podcast because you like football too, let's just say, for example... Please check out the Purple Podcast. Judd and I talk everything Vikings a couple of times a week. So if you're not signed up for that, then please do it. Okay, so the reason we are podcasting Judd is because training camp is underway for the Minnesota Wild. And they kick off camp, as many teams love to do, with some good news, some happy news. They have signed Miko Koivu to a two-year contract extension, keeping him on the team through 2020, which has you giddy and excited and thrilled. Right, Judd? Can you explain it to me? (laughs) I am so excited and thrilled that I'm coming to you, a hockey guy, a guy that writes inside our hockey columns for ESPN.com. Can you explain to me why a team that's been up against the salary cap for as long as the Wild has it's at the end of a seven-year contract with a guy who is 34 years old. And I'm not saying he's not productive, okay? This is not – I do not want to turn this into a Bash Miko podcast. But why would you do this now? Why would you give him a full no-move clause continued? You extended him for two years. This is tantamount to a three-year extension, though, because he was going into the last year of his contract. Collar, can you give me a reasonable explanation what the hurry was to tie up more – Salary cap room for a cash-strapped team in a league where the salary cap doesn't go up with a guy who's going to be 37 when his contract ends? Well, I will, too, echo your sentiment by saying that I have the utmost respect for Miko Koivu. I, I think he's a really excellent player. Last year, 58 points. He is consistently on the ice all the time. He plays against a lot of the top competition in the league. They bring him out there to shut people down. He does a great job of it. He's one of the best in the face-off circle. Much respect to Miko Koivu. But from an economic standpoint, the move does not really match up with how most teams do business with guys that are over 30 years old. I mean, last year, Miko Koivu set a career high in shooting percentage in putting up his 58 points. Yep. His career shooting percentage is 9.2, and last year he was at 12.9, which is a big difference. And not only just that shooting percentage, but if you look at the on ice, like how, how the team did when he was on the ice, because he got all these assists, 40 assists, right? It, yep. was, it was not only his career high, 
but it was his career high on ice shooting percentage. That's the shooting percentage of everyone who takes a shot while he's on the ice was up 2%, 1.7 from his career previous high. So the, the best that had ever happened, it was higher this time. And that should make you go, yeah, when you're thinking about deciding to sign a guy to 5.5 million over the next two years, that it's very unlikely. I told you all those numbers just because it's very unlikely that he's going to put up that number of points again, that he's going to have 40 assists again, that he's going to have 18 goals again. And that doesn't mean he can't continue to be effective, but it's you're, you are in high danger territory. We have seen guys be effective. Mike Fisher was very, very good for Nashville. Matt Cullen was very, very good for Pittsburgh, though in a reduced role from what he used to be. It doesn't mean it's impossible for someone to go into their mid to late 30s. It just means that you want to tread carefully. And with this contract, I don't feel like they treaded carefully. I feel like they said, whatever you want, Miko, here you go. I feel like this was a thank you contract. Yeah. And my question is this. If this is a thank you contract, what was the seven year contract before this? And and I was fighting with people on Twitter last night about this fact. And this is what I don't get. All right, let's say he has a good year. He's played his entire career here. His family moves here, right, during the year, during the season, right? So he, odds are he's going to say, I want to stay here. I got this Twitter feedback, uh, you know, look at the. Look at the pending uh, unrestricted centers and look at Miko's going to get a huge contract. They kept saying, no, you're in control. And then Miko said, I don't want to negotiate during the season. If I'm Fletcher, I say, Miko, too bad. If you want to come back here, I just, I don't, I don't understand why a team that consistently loses in the first round wouldn't say, hey, we're going to wait and see. And if you have a good year, we'll bring you back. If you don't want to come back, that you're right. But odds are you will. And I just, I don't, this is like you're giving a contract to a guy that's won at least one cup and is going to the Hall of Fame. And this guy's not. He's a nice player. I, I feel, I, I'm very confused by the mentality behind the contract. Well, I think I've got it. Uh, but I will say that, you know, when you're thinking about those veteran legacy contracts, you see them blow up in people's faces all the time. I mean, of course not, they do. Not that it mattered with Shane Doan this last year, but they kept giving Shane Doan one more year, one more year, and then this year the wheels finally fell off on Shane Doan, and he just couldn't really play anymore. And, great, uh, but that's a great that's a that's perf that's a perfect e- example. And it's not that you don't like Shane Doan, but don't you have to watch out for what's best for your team? And when the salary cap, listen, this is a Gary Bettman issue. If this was the NBA or football and the salary cap was going up consistently, I would say, who cares? Give the contract. I don't give a damn. But this is a league where you are being strapped up against the cap year after year after year because your national TV contract, for lack of a better term, stinks. It does. Yes. And you're right. And that if the cap was going up by quite a bit, you'd be like, well, 5.5 million two years from now won't really be uh, all that big of a deal. But I, I think what it's about, and a lot of their moves are this way, is win now. And any NHL team that is in win now mode will make moves that don't really match up with economics. And I, I think the team that might be the best example of that is the Boston Bruins, 
right? That the Boston Bruins signed David Backus to a contract that just made my skull blow right up into the air. I, I just I couldn't believe it. I mean, Backus looked like he was slowing way down and having to play the wing in St. Louis and that he couldn't be that top center or number two center that was grinding away anymore. I mean, he looked like he was pretty much going to be a, a third-line role player, and they signed him to this long-term deal that just didn't make sense. But if you're Boston, you only have so many years left of Zdeno Chara. Tell me when this sounds familiar. You only have so many years left of Chara. You only have so many years of Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand's prime left because they're both approaching or in their 30s. David Krejci, the same story. So you say, look, we've only got a couple of shots here. We're going to go for it, and who cares what happens in five years? The Ducks did the same thing with Ryan Kessler. They signed him to a contract extension that was just bananas. He had a great year last year. How that's going to look when it's over, I don't know. But they said, Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff only have so many years left, so we've got to do this. And I think the same way is probably for the Wild, where they're looking at Parisi and they're looking at Suter and they're saying, well, you know, we've probably only got a couple years left to those guys, and that's why uh, that's what we're going to do. But for the most part, Kyle, you can't even get past the first round, and we know that. And I, there's just so many things about this. And I just I, I want to come back to the fact this is not Bash Koivu because he brings something to this team, and he's a nice player. But you, you've got – don't you have to at some point, if you're Fletcher, create wiggle room? Don't you at some point have to create room where if you want to go out and try and make a trade, if you want to do something – and, and we've talked about this a thousand times, and you have brought this up, you know, for months and months and months. Centers are hard to find. Really good ones and young ones are super hard to find. And it's sort of like the Wild is collecting now aging guys and being like, well, that's that's good enough, I guess. And I don't get that. I mean, Miko Koivu had a, had a really good year last year because the, the Wild had the ability to finally say, you don't have to be the top-line guy. You're going to be the second-line guy. Eric Stahl came in as the top-line guy. Now, the issue there is Stahl himself was coming up two bad years, had a really nice bounce-back year. We don't know how long that's going to last. I just feel like the mentality here uh, is potentially incredibly misguided, and I thought that the Koivu contract, at least potentially coming off the books, was a welcome thing, and instead you jumped right back in the pool. You're right back to where you started, and now that's tied up again, and if he starts to decline within the next year or two, guess what? You're stuck. Yeah, and you could say that for many, many people on this roster, that if oh, yeah. if and when you see a decline in play, you're in trouble. I mean, Ryan Suter is 32 years old. I mean, he might be good until he's 40. Chara is still effective, and it's certainly happened with defensemen like Ryan Suter who are very smart players and good skaters and in great shape. I mean, Suter can still go out there and play 30 minutes and be effective, so I wouldn't expect him to fall off the table. But once you clear 30, you don't really know when a guy is, is going to start seeing that that fade. I mean, historically, this is this is not just sort of like, I think he's old and we'll see. I'm talking the historical age curve. Mm -hmm. It's different for every player. Guys are playing a little longer than they used to. But once you get past 30 in this league, that's what usually tends to happen. So I, what I think of Koivu, I think of he, he's the type of player that as a general manager you look at and say, well, he's the leader on our team and he's our captain and everybody in the locker room follows him and loves him. 
he's also job security for me. Because if I keep Miko Koivu, at least this is how a GM might think. If I keep him and he keeps yep. doing what he did over over the next couple of years, then we yep. can then we can be competitive. But if I take the risk of letting him go and I rely yep. on Luke Kunin or I rely on Joel Erickson Eck to be the future centers, then I might get left in the dark. And if you get left stuck with no centers, then you probably lose a lot of games. The leader in your locker room last year, without question, was Eric Stahl. Miko Koivu, Miko Koivu is a well-respected, longtime wild player. But and and I've and I've been I won't even broach this again because I've been on honest for so long. Because there's a lot of people like who cares who your captain is? It doesn't matter. Miko Koivu is a professional. He is a professional. But the leader part part of the reason why your locker room last year was a better place to be, was Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl's a captain. He gets it. Now, I, I mean, they, they, they're they giving Koivu a contract to reward him, I think, for past successes and the fact that he is a very professional player and the fact that he can be an effective player and he plays a two-way role and he was a Selkie finalist, but I don't get that. But to your point about veteran players, let's cut to the chase, Colin, because Ryan Suter is coming off a fantastic season, and right now that 13-year, $98 million contract looks pretty damn good. You know where it doesn't look good? Zach Parisi. And this is, I will say this again with Zach Parisi. This is no way is to bash him. He is an extremely hard competitor. And when Zach Parisi can play the style of hockey he wants to play, he is fantastic. You've seen it. You've told me about it. And you're right. And I've seen it. And unfortunately, he came mostly in New Jersey. But Zach Parisi is not practicing on a consistent basis now since the day camp, camp opened because of continued back problems and i'm sorry there is no bigger story in my opinion to start the wild season than zach parisi and his back because when you have a back problem and you play the style he plays in this league guess what happens continuing to be in the lineup i think becomes damn near impossible yeah it's right it's going to be tough for him if he's already got the back issue and what i think of immediately judd is this team needs every single body to be, they don't need everyone playing well at the same time, but they need everyone because they don't have Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin to carry you. They don't have Patrick Kane to carry you with your scoring where this is how it goes, right? I mean, the, the, the great players carry their teams and they're good all the time. And then the mediocre players or the depth players, solid NHL players are really good sometimes. And then not really good. Sometimes we saw a lot of this last year. Mikel Granlund was really, really good sometimes and then wasn't really around other times. And you could say the same thing for Jason Zucker. He scores some goals. He's very exciting. And then for 10 games, you don't see him. But what Zach Parisi used to be in New Jersey was a guy that you saw him every single night. And I did many times when he was playing against the Buffalo Sabres. He was just a purely dominant Hall of Fame level player. He will belong there someday, right? But... If he's out of the lineup, you don't have that one player who could just carry you. And so now you're talking about having to shuffle and hoping that everybody else stays healthy. And it starts to look a little bit weaker. There's more cracks in the foundation than there was before. And I would say the same thing for the depth on defense sans Marco Scandella, Judd, that, you know, Mm -hmm. this top four is really good. Suter, Spurgeon, Brodeen, Dumba, that is an excellent top four. 
But mm-hmm. if you have to miss one of those guys for a while and Kyle Quincy has to play more or Gustav Olofsson has to play more, you are in a lot more trouble than you were last year that if somebody else had to step up, Scandella missed some time, they were able to step up and fill that spot. So did Brodine and they were okay. Now it's going to become a lot more difficult if you have to do that. And you now, to, to go back on, on the trade, you think that the trade with Buffalo is not a good trade, correct? Oh, it, it, it's an awful trade. I, I mean, I think they know that. I, I don't think that this is just me having a hot take about a trade. It's everyone around the league knows that's not a good trade. When you give up a top four defenseman and you get back two very flawed wingers for that and that's it, outside of a third-round pick... I mean, right. that, that, that no one thinks that's a good trade. It's just that you couldn't afford it and you had to make room. Yeah, I, I just, there's, I don't know. I mean, when I look at this team's starting training camp, I, I ask myself this question. This was a really good regular season team last year. Do I see this team, do I look at this roster right now and do I see a roster, do I see a situation where I say that they're going to be good again, but they've learned enough uh, where, where they can get past the first round for the first time in a few years here, Collar. And I say, no, I, I, I don't see it. And I don't, I, I guess I start off with, I guess my starting point is this. Boudreaux, who is an impulsive coach, I believe, and he's a good coach. I like him, but I think he's impulsive. Um, my point, if I was Fletcher to him, is you've got to play your backup goaltender. We can't have a situation again, right, where Devin Dubnik plays into March and you just ride Dubnik. I mean, this guy was a heart trophy contender, in my opinion, at one point last year. And he fell off the map. And the team fell off the map in March. And part of the reason why is they, they wore down. So what I need Boudreaux to do is sort of rethink how he used certain players, but most importantly his goaltender last year. But then if I look at this entire team again and I say, okay, do you have a team that I think is going to make a playoff run? And I know we can get into the whole, well, it's the NHL and you just get blah, blah, blah. But if you want to look at it realistically – I say to myself, I see pretty much the same team that doesn't have probably as good of season, but I also don't see the same team that gets into the playoffs now and and makes a run. And I might be completely wrong, but I don't have necessarily a feeling that there has been a lot to change here. I think last year we'll look back at it eventually and say, boy, that was your shot. You know, that that was your chance because Chicago had a pretty decent regular season, but we knew they were flawed. Uh, St. Louis was okay, but they had to make a coaching change midseason. And we saw in the second round of the playoffs, they were just okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nashville was a really excellent team, better than what their record was. I said that the whole time. This is a Stanley Cup competing team. Uh, Mm -hmm. But a team that you felt like based on the regular season numbers, you should be competitive with or better than. Connor McDavid was just starting to come into his own. The Anaheim Ducks are still the Anaheim Ducks. They win the division. They're still great, right? But they weren't as great as you felt like they were the year before. So you were looking at all these teams saying, okay, you can beat any one of these teams in a seven-game series, and you had the best regular season stats, goal differential, the save percentage, all those things. And a lot of things went right. They were mostly healthy. They got high shooting percentages out of guys. Boudreaux seemed to pull a lot of the right strings, especially in the middle of the season. Everything kind of clicked for you to reach that level, except for at the end of the season where they had a bit of a losing streak. Right. Can you get all of that to happen again when 
you know, Chicago's made some changes. They brought in Brandon Saad. St. Louis is going on another year of uh, Mike Yo. Maybe they're a little better. I, I don't expect them to be majorly better. Nashville should be way better in the regular season. Winnipeg should be way better. Dallas hired right. a new coach. They should be way better. Connor McDavid is just going up and up and up and up. I mean, now it seems like your chances are, are just less. And from a GM standpoint, I don't know what Chuck Fletcher was supposed to do this off season to combat that. Oh, I, right. But, but, but this, this is, oh, this comes full circle back to the Koivu point. This is why you let contracts expire. Because he was in a situation now, right, where if you looked at it, and, hey, the Suter and Parisi contracts, I will never criticize. Because the day they signed those guys, I was excited as the next person. And and at that time, there's no way that you could know that good old Gary would cut such bad TV deals. The cap wouldn't go up. Right. But but the Koivu con- you let the Koivu contract lapse for the purpose of being able to maybe – if you can't go out on the open market and sign a guy, which is fine if you can't, to make a trade, right? I mean, your whole premise of what you're saying, and I think I agree with, is this offseason was very tough because you're up against the cap and the cap doesn't go up. Right. So what So what do you do? You allow contracts like Koivu's to expire. They haven't done that again. And, and my thing is, I don't care if this team makes the playoffs. I don't care where they are. I don't care if they're, they're first, second, se- seventh, or eighth. But what I care about is, do I see a team that goes into the playoffs and I, and I say to myself, you've given yourself a better chance? And my answer is no. And I guess my only point is, I think you might give yourself a better chance if you go into the playoffs with a goaltender who's rested, because last year you wore Dubnik out, and it's probably not fair to ask a guy now who travels as much and play as, plays as many games as he did to go into the playoffs and carry a full load. But besides that, I don't look at this team as being that different. I really don't. Well, I I think philosophically, Chuck Fletcher decided that status quo with this team would give them another chance to win a Stanley Cup. And it does. I mean, it's a good team. It, it's got the, one of the best coaches in the league, and it's got deep forwards, and it's got a true number one defenseman, and I would say a 1A in Jared Spurgeon, who I think is continues to be underrated, maybe because of his size. I think if yep. he's six foot three and does exactly the same stuff, no, nothing changes at all. He's like on Wheaties boxes. I mean, because he is he is really really a terrific player. You just did, you aged yourself badly. I don't. There. They don't do that anymore. No, I don't think they do. Oh, okay. I'm sorry about that, Matthew, oh, but I don't I'm think they do. Really Bruce dis- Jenner, disappointed. You go Bruce Jenner. Yeah. You go Bruce because hmm. he was the first one. Anyway, so I think that Spurgeon is underrated. I mean, we, we could go top to bottom, and Devin Dubnik has had one of the highest regular season save percentages of any goalie over the last three years. I mean, he's been better than Henrik Lundqvist over the last three years. Yep. So you can talk yourself into this team being very good. It's just very hard to convince anyone that you're a legitimate Stanley Cup contender based on recent history of what this roster has done. And the fact that, in my mind, unless Tyler Ennis bounces back to what he was a few years ago, and we're talking like four years ago now, then you got worse in trading Marco Scandella and you got lighter. So now what you have to rely on is just hope that Erickson Eck or Kunin can come in and be you know, another star player for you in the forward group over yep. the next couple of years while they're on their rookie contracts. And that might be part of it too. 
that you know when you keep Miko Koivu, you decide, well, that's going to run us through these guys' rookie contracts and into the next CBA where we could see changes after that, so we'll see. But it's going to run us through these guys' rookie contracts, so they'll be here. They won't be making very much money, and we're going to keep this team together with this coach and give it a couple of runs. And, you know, this is one of those things, Judd, where if you were doing the numbers on this, if you took this team, let's say completely healthy, and you added it all up to every other team, and you did yep. a, a thousand simulations. You hear this sometimes, right? A thousand simulations. Oh, I do simulations constantly. You yes, know me. yes, you do. There, there are some scenarios where this team could go to the Stanley Cup final. I, I think it's it, it, you don't have Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves, and that makes it much, much more difficult. But it will be a competitive team, and that keeps a GM in place. And if you had blown it up and traded Granlin and traded Coyle and all those things, and it didn't yep. work, if it didn't yep. work, you'd be out of a job immediately. So this yeah, is true. this is where true. we end up having to live. Well, right, but. Yeah, and this is this gets somewhat confusing because what you need is you need Coyle to be to play the wing, go to the net, and score that goal. I mean, I love the story about how Boudreaux has gone back and watched how Coyle's stick broke in game one in OT, I believe, against the Blues, or else he scores the goal. Okay, but that's that's not the excuse. The symptom, the problem is you need you need that entire series. Go back and watch that series, and we can talk about puck luck all we want, right? But what did the Blues have? The Blues had big bleeping defensemen that kept your forwards away from the net, and Allen looked fantastic in large part because he was he was stopping shots consistently from where the perimeter. So it's just it's somewhat frustrating because I don't see until I see enough of a change and a sea change, and I think some of the younger players might bring that. But the problem is you don't have when you talk about signing Koivu, you've now eliminated yourself from maybe going out and getting somebody else who could have helped. So it it's a difficult conversation to have to say if these guys are going to be improved or not, because I think they are a nice team. And in, in the regular season, I think they could be a good team. But is this a playoff team? I have no clue. And by the way, I do love a league where we can talk about it. And I read this last night where the Koivu contract takes you up to where people can, can, can convincingly write. There's going to probably be a work stoppage there. God bless my league, right? (laughs) The NBA, the NFL, now they might have one eventually, although they won't because the players will whip out. And Major League Baseball have figured out that it's a really bad idea to be able to write, hey, when someone's those contract expires, there will be a work stoppage. Not the NHL. Miko Koivu is going to retire, and guess what? There's going to be no hockey when he does. (laughs) Sorry about that. It it drives me this league drives me crazy. Well, I, I, we won't start the uh, conversation about the Olympics because uh, uh, you actually, well, or maybe we should because you actually agree with the. Uh, yes, NHL. I do agree. I, I do agree in this case. Yeah, and I'm tired of players whining. <laughs> and I, and I, and I don't listen. If the if the Olympics are in they are in Canada or the U.S. or a decent time zone to watch them, I'm fine with that. But if you're going to start the marquee games at four in the morning. I'm sorry, if I'm a businessman, I'm not shutting down my season for that. And this is a two-week grace period. And by the way, if you think about it, I'm also giving my players who aren't great but are certainly National Hockey League caliber, so they're good, Collar, right? I'm giving them two weeks off. Here's my idea. Put the ice hockey in the Summer Olympics. If you want to play, you can play then. It's in the Summer Games, just like basketball. 
And we know from Las Vegas that they can cool the rinks in the summer. Yeah. How about when they play the game in Dodger Stadium and they're like, oh, we played a game in Dodgers. Oh, bully you. It's 2014. You can you can freeze ice. Aren't you, peop- aren't you people geniuses? You know what, though? Let me just make one more point on Koivu. Something you said sure. there. With uh, $5.5 million in free agency doesn't get you as far as it used to, and I would guess that the yep. Wild are thinking in that direction toward, well, if we're going to find players in free agency to fill out the rest of this roster, they're going to cost us probably the same amount or more money. And they're willing to roll the dice on Koivu still being good into his mid-late 30s based on oh. the fact that they will kind of save money from what Koivu would get if he was a free agent, I think. Okay, but explain the no move to me then, because if I'm having a bad year in two years and he is an aging faceoff guy, I want to be able to trade him immediately. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I mean, that, that's what... I see what you're saying. That's what, they're gonna, that's what any aging player is going to want. He's going to want some sort of say uh, on what he's able to do. So I, I guess where I stand on that is the contract... I can see why they did it, and I think they're in a very, very difficult spot. I, I mean, that, they've put themselves, with the fact that they did not win in the best, best years of Zach Parisi and Ryan Suda, yeah. they have yeah, put sure themselves in an extremely difficult spot where the guys that they hoped would just take off and be superstars in the league are just good players. Coyle and Granlin, they're, they're good players. They're not superstars. Yep. Zucker is not a superstar. He's a good NHL player who's yep. really helpful, and I expect to score 25 goals, but these are not the guys who win the Stanley Cups. And if that's if we're talking through the lens of do we have a competitive hockey team, then they've done well, and they'll fill the arena, and they'll probably get some playoff revenue. But if you're talking about the Stanley Cup, even but that's the thing is even you couldn't really blow it up either. I mean, the, no, no, right? no, 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 no. They are, listen, where I sympathize with, Leopold and Fletcher completely is here. The Parisi and Suter contracts are the two greatest free agent contracts done by any pro sports team in the state's history, right? I would never go back and undo those contracts. The excitement they caused on July 4th, I think it was 2012, still remains off the charts. All of that being said, nobody could have predicted that the salary cap wouldn't go up or or that it's gone up by a couple million dollars per season so no they're stuck this is this is where i keep coming back to and it's not just their fault but this is why i would have let the koivu contract elapse you are just continually stuck now the Paris, now the parisi the where this gets really really sticky and where we go into the weeds but it's interesting is if zach has a major back problem which i'm guessing he does i mean this isn't good right do you get? Do you put him on the long-term disability plan, which frees you up salary cap space? That's the that's the unknown question here. But when he starts the year not being able to practice, I mean, Boudreaux, we we learned from what Zim said about Bradford. You know, you can't go with what. Well, the head coach said he'll he'll be fine. <laughs> right. So right. So that so that that being said, the unknown here is, and this is a, once again, it's all very unfortunate. But once again, I guess the conversation comes back to, do they know something about a long-term plan with Zach? Because there does come a point in time where you're going to have to be like, this isn't workable. And if that's the case, can you free up salary cap space through the long-term injury plan 
and that gets to a different subject, but it's somewhere where eventually they might have to go. Yeah, and I don't know how all that works CBA-wise and everything else because there was the conversation about if a player retires early, then it's a cap hit of whatever, and I think they're going to clear that out when they hit the next CBA, but if he's forced to retire before that, then does that add an additional cap hit onto uh, the wild, even if he's retired, because I think that was part of the conversation when Shea Weber was traded, like, well, if he's got to retire early, then Nashville gets the cap hit there. And, and there have been other players who've been bought out for that reason. So, I mean, maybe you have to do that if the back issue ends up being chronic, but um, well, a very positive and light and uh, exciting first hockey podcast of the year. <laughs> hey, preseason underway. They won. They Ryan Malone scored the uh, shootout winner in Winnipeg on Monday night. They got the Jets again on Thursday. They got the Abs on Saturday. The NHL season's here, Matthew Collins. Well, very I, excited. I, I am excited about that, and I would say just my kind of big picture on, on the wild is yeah. you should plan on them being a competitive team and having mm. a chance and being very similar to last year, I think having a shot. I mean, there was a time last year where we thought they were the leaders in the clubhouse for the, the Stanley cup, but it maybe right. got a little too high on, you know, big time shooting percentages and things like that. But I mean, we should look at this team like they've been built despite giant contracts, I should say. I mean, except Suter deserves what he gets, and now it's kind of a good deal for how much ice time he plays. But they've built around these giant contracts to make a competitive team. So this isn't – I don't think you should ever go into a season with a competitive team and say, well, we've got got no shot, so who cares about this team? You know, because because hockey is still hockey. The NHL Network, my understanding, has the Wild missing the playoffs which must mean that they have the Winnipeg Jets making it. And I would like to remind all of our listeners, as long as Paul Maurice coaches the Jets, the Jets don't have a chance. One of the worst coaches in the National Hockey League. I can't believe he still has a job, much less a contract extension. And by the way, that is a good team. The Jets have a good team, but Paul Maurice, yeah, he and the GM just got extended. I have no idea what they're doing. But as long as the Jets are coached by Paul Maurice, I like the Wilds' chances to make the <laughs> Yeah, well, Ken Hitchcock usually has success wherever he goes, so we'll see what happens uh, with Dallas. Very true. We will talk, Judd, more and more hockey as we uh, go along here. So you loyal listeners to Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure, stick around because there's more hockey talk to come. Thanks, Judd. Bye, Matt. Bye. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. 
And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.